Part Three, Chapter Eight of A Key to Uncle Tom's Cabin by Harriet Beecher Stowe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Angelique Campbell. Chapter Eight: Kidnapping. The principle which declares that one human being may lawfully hold another as property leads directly to the trade in human beings, and that trade has, among its other horrible results, the temptation to the crime of kidnapping. The trader is generally a man of coarse nature and low associations, hard-hearted and reckless of right or honor. He who is not so is an exception rather than a specimen if he has anything good about him when he begins the business it may well be seen that he is in a fair way to lose it around the trader are continually passing and repassing men and women who would be worth to him thousands of dollars in the way of trade who belong to a class whose rights nobody respects and who if reduced to slavery could not easily make their word good against him the probability is that hundreds of free men and women and children are all the time being precipitated into slavery in this way the recent case of northrop tried in washington d c throws light on this fearful subject the following account is abridged from the new york times solomon northrop is a free colored citizen of the united states he was born in essex county new york about the year eighteen o eight became early a resident of washington county and married there in eighteen twenty nine his father and mother resided in the county of washington about fifty years till their decease and both were free with his wife and children he resided at saratoga springs in the winter of eighteen forty one and while there was employed by two gentlemen to drive a team south at the rate of a dollar a day in fulfilment of his employment he proceeded to new york and having taken out free papers to show that he was a citizen he went on to washington city where he arrived the second day of april the same year and put up at gadby's hotel soon after he arrived he felt unwell and went to bed while suffering with severe pain some persons came in and seeing the condition he was in proposed to give him some medicine and did so this is the last thing of which he had any recollection until he found himself chained to the floor of william's slave pen in this city and handcuffed in the course of a few hours james h birch a slave dealer came in and the colored man asked him to take the irons off from him and wanted to know why they were put on birch told him it was none of his business the colored man said he was free and told where he was born birch called in a man by the name of ebenezer rodberry and they two stripped the man and laid him across a bench rodberry holding him down by his wrists birch whipped him with a paddle until he broke that and then with a cat of nine tails giving him a hundred lashes and he swore he would kill him if he ever stated to any one that he was a free man from that time forward the man says he did not communicate the fact from fear either that he was a free man or what his name was until the last summer he was kept in the slave pen about ten days when he with others were taken out of the pen in the night by birch handcuffed and shackled and taken down the river by a steamboat and then to richmond where he with forty-eight others were put on board the brig orleans there birch left them 
the brig sailed for new orleans and on arriving there before she was fastened to the wharf theophilus freeman another slave dealer belonging in the city of new orleans and who in eighteen thirty three had been a partner with birch in the slave trade came to the wharf and received the slaves as they were landed under his direction this man was immediately taken by freeman and shut up in his pen in that city he was taken sick with the smallpox immediately after getting there and was sent to a hospital where he lay two or three weeks when he had sufficiently recovered to leave the hospital freeman declined to sell him to any person in that vicinity and sold him to a mr ford who resided in rapida's parish louisiana where he was taken and lived more than a year and worked as a carpenter working with ford at that business ford became involved and had to sell him a mr tebow became the purchaser he in a short time sold him to edwin epps in bayou buff about one hundred and thirty miles from the mouth of red river where epps had retained him on a cotton plantation since the year eighteen forty three to go back a step in the narrative the man wrote a letter in june eighteen forty one to henry b northrop of the state of new york dated and postmarked at new orleans stating that he had been kidnapped and was on board a vessel but was unable to state what his destination was but requesting mr n to aid him in recovering his freedom if possible mr n was unable to do anything in his behalf in consequence of not knowing where he had gone and not being able to find any trace of him his place of residence remained unknown until the month of september last when the following letter was received by his friends from bayou buff august eighteen fifty two mr william peeny or mr lewis parker gentlemen it having been a long time since i have seen or heard from you and not knowing that you are living it is with uncertainty that i write to you but the necessity of the case must be my excuse having been born free just across the river from you i am certain you know me and i am here now a slave i wish you to obtain free papers for me and forward them to me at marksville louisiana parish of avoyols and oblige yours solomon northrop on receiving the above letter mr n applied to governor hunt of new york for such authority as was necessary for him to proceed to louisiana as an agent to procure the liberation of solomon proof of his freedom was furnished to governor hunt by affidavits of several gentlemen general clark among others accordingly in pursuance of the laws of new york henry b northrop was constituted an agent to take such steps by procuring evidence retaining counsel and etc as were necessary to secure the freedom of solomon and to execute all the duties of his agency the result of mr northrop's agency was the establishing of the claim of solomon northrop to freedom and restoring him to his native land it is a singular coincidence that this man was carried to a plantation in the red river country that same region where the scene of tom's captivity was laid and his account of this plantation his mode of life there and some incidents which he describes form a striking parallel of that history we extract them from the article of the times the condition of this colored man during the nine years that he was in the hands of epps was of a character nearly approaching that described by mrs stowe as the condition of uncle tom while in that region during that whole period his hut contained neither a floor nor a chair nor a bed nor a mattress nor anything for him to lie upon 
except a board about twelve inches wide with a block of wood for his pillow and with a single blanket to cover him while the walls of his hut did not by any means protect him from the inclemency of the weather he was sometimes compelled to perform acts revolting to humanity and outrageous in the highest degree on one occasion a colored girl belonging to epps about seventeen years of age went one sunday without the permission of her master to the nearest plantation about half a mile distant to visit another colored girl of her acquaintance she returned in the course of two or three hours and for that offence she was called up for punishment which solomon was required to inflict epps compelled him to drive four stakes into the ground at such distance that the hands and ankles of the girl might be tied to them as she lay with her face upon the ground and having thus fastened her down he compelled him while standing by himself to inflict one hundred lashes upon her bare flesh she being stripped naked having inflicted the hundred blows solomon refused to proceed any further epps tried to compel him to go on but he absolutely set him at defiance and refused to murder the girl epps then seized the whip and applied it until he was too weary to continue it blood flowed from her neck to her feet and in this condition she was compelled the next day to go into the field to work as a field hand she bears the marks still upon her body although the punishment was inflicted four years ago when solomon was about to leave under the care of mr northrop this girl came from behind her hut unseen by her master and throwing her arms around the neck of solomon congratulated him on his escape from slavery and his return to his family at the same time in language of despair exclaiming but oh god what will become of me these statements regarding the condition of solomon while with epps and the punishment and brutal treatment of the colored girls are taken from solomon himself it has been stated that the nearest plantation was distant that of epps a half mile and of course there could be no interference on the part of neighbors in any punishment however cruel or however well disposed to interfere they might be had not northrop been able to write as few of the free blacks in the slave states are his doom might have been sealed for life in this den of misery two cases recently tried in baltimore also unfold facts of a similar nature the following is from the case of rachel parker and her sister it will be remembered that more than a year since a young colored woman named mary elizabeth parker was abducted from chester county and conveyed to baltimore where she was sold as a slave and transported to new orleans a few days after her sister rachel parker was also abducted in like manner taken to baltimore and detained there in consequence of the interference of her chester county friends in the first case mary elizabeth was by an arrangement with the individual who had her in charge brought back to baltimore to await her trial on a petition for freedom so also with regard to rachel both after trial the proof in their favor being so overwhelming were discharged and are now among their friends in chester county in this connection we give the narrative of both females obtained since their release rachel parker's narrative i was taken from joseph c miller's about twelve o'clock on tuesday december thirtieth eighteen fifty one 
by two men who came up to the house by the back door one came in and asked mrs miller where jessie mccreary lived and then seized me by the arm and pulled me out of the house mrs miller called to her husband who was in the front porch and he ran out and seized the man by the collar and tried to stop him the other with an oath then told him to take his hands off and if he touched me he would kill him he then told miller that i belonged to mr schoolfield in baltimore they then hurried me to a wagon where there was another large man put me in and drove off mr miller ran across the field to head the wagon and picked up a stake to run through the wheel when one of the men pulled out a sword i think it was a sword i never saw one and threatened to cut miller's arm off pollock's wagon being in the way and he refusing to get out of the road we turned off to the left after we rode away one of the men tore a hole in the back of the carriage to look out to see if they were coming after us and they said they wished they had given miller and pollock a blow we stopped at a tavern near the railroad and i told the landlord i think it was that i was free i also told several people at the car office and a very nice-looking man at the car office was talking at the door and he said he thought that they had better take me back again one of the men did not come further than the tavern i was taken to baltimore where we arrived about seven o'clock the same evening and i was taken to jail the next morning a man with large light-colored whiskers took me away by myself and asked me if i was not mr schoolfield's slave i told him i was not he said that i was and that if i did not say i was he would cowhide me and salt me and put me in a dungeon i told him i was free and that i would say nothing but the truth mary e parker's narrative i was taken from matthew donnelly's on saturday night december sixth or thirteenth eighteen fifty one was caught whilst out of doors soon after i had cleared the supper table about seven o'clock by two men and put into a wagon one of them got into the wagon with me and rode to elkton maryland where i was kept until sunday night at twelve o'clock when i left there in the cars for baltimore and arrived there early on monday morning at elkton a man was brought in to see me by one of the men who said that i was not his father's slave afterwards when on the way to baltimore in the cars a man told me that i must say that i was mr schoolfield's slave or he would shoot me and pulled a rifle out of his pocket and showed it to me and also threatened to whip me on monday morning mr schoolfield called at the jail in baltimore to see me and on tuesday morning he brought his wife and several other ladies to see me i told them that i did not know them and then mr c took me out of the room and told me who they were and took me back again so that i might appear to know them on the next monday i was shipped to new orleans it took about a month to get to new orleans after i had been there about a week mr c sold me to madame c who kept a large flower garden she sends flowers to sell to the theatres sells milk in market and etc i went out to sell candy and flowers for her when i lived with her one evening when i was coming home from the theatre a watchman took me up and i told him i was not a slave he put me in the caboose and next morning took me before a magistrate who sent for madame c who told him she bought me he then sent for mr c and told him he must account for how he got me mr c said that my mother and all the family were free except me the magistrate told me to go back to madame c 
and he told madame c that she must not let me go out at night and he told mr c that he must prove how he came by me the magistrate afterwards called on mrs c at her house and had a long talk with her in the parlour i do not know what he said as they were by themselves about a month afterwards i was sent back to baltimore i lived with madame c about six months there were six slaves came in the vessel with me to baltimore who belonged to mr d and returned because they were sickly a man called to see me at the jail after i came back to baltimore and told me that i must say i was mr schoolfield's slave and that if i did not do it he would kill me the first time he got a chance he said rachel who was her sister said she came from baltimore and was mr schoolfield's slave afterwards some gentlemen called on me judge campbell and judge bell of philadelphia and william h norris esq of baltimore and i told them that i was mr schoolfield's slave they said they were my friends and i must tell them the truth i then told them who i was and all about it when i was in new orleans mr c whipped me because i said that i was free elizabeth by her own account above was seized and taken from philadelphia december sixth or thirteenth eighteen fifty one which is confirmed by other testimony it is conceded that such cases when brought into southern courts are generally tried with great fairness and impartiality the agent for northrop's release testifies to this and it has been generally admitted fact but it is probably only one case in a hundred that can get into court of the multitudes who are drawn down in the ever-widening maelstrom only now and then one ever comes back to tell the tale the succeeding chapter of advertisements will show the reader how many such victims there may probably be end of part three chapter eight kidnapping